the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome into another Saturday on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You probably ate too much. Maybe spend a little time outside hiking, hunting, or, or playing that backyard football game. But sit back because Taylor's here with me. Hey, everybody. And we've got not one but two special guests with us this morning. So, Mr. Engineer, excited. I'm kind of like the man in the moon. Have a dark side and two faces, too. I want the wolves to howl with me. It's the coyote wind that sets me free. Oh. Taylor, we just debuted here on Woods and Water, South Carolina, the singing career of one of our guests. I bet there's some people out there really scratching their heads right now wondering who we got on the show, right? Yes. So, well, why don't you go ahead and introduce one of these family members, because it's a father-daughter team just like you and I, and uh, and I'll choose to introduce the other one. Definitely. So I've talked to her twice on the show before, and I had the honor of meeting her last year at the NRA convention in Atlanta, and I'm a huge fan of her. And she's an awesome role model for the girls out there in the outdoors. So, you, Shockey, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. And thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me back on here. It's good to talk to you guys again. Absolutely. Well, I briefly got to talk to him in January at the Archery Trade Association show in Indianapolis. I, I thanked him for raising a daughter who can be a role model for you, Taylor. Oh, yes, for sure. And... Uh, you know, if you've ever watched either of his shows, whether it's Jim Shockey's Hunting Outdoor Advent- Hunting Adventures or Uncharted on the Outdoor Channel, you know he is the real thing. From a is is life as a veteran guide and outfitter, a hunter, a conservationist, and now as a rising star in the country music industry, it just blows me away. But Mr. Jim Shockey, welcome to Woods and Water, South Carolina. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me on your show. Absolutely, Taylor. Let's. Well, uh, I have a very important question. <laughs> Eva, did your dad walk around the house singing all the time? Because that is not, that doesn't just come out overnight. Like, he's got to have some kind of experience here. <laughs> he spent most of my childhood strumming the guitar and making up songs. And him, my mom's an incredible singer. So him and my mom would sing. And then my brother started playing and he sings too. And I was kind of the black sheep that has no musical talent whatsoever. And he has always tried to come up with songs that are good. And some of them are okay. But, you know, you kind of go, okay, that's cool. And then he came up with this one. And he played it for me a few months ago. And he played it. And to listen to this. And he played it. And I said, who's that? Whose song is that? And he said, it's mine. I was like, it's not yours. And it really was his. And now it went, I mean, he will be the first to tell you because we've had a family text chain about it. But he went number one on the charts, which is insane. <laughs> not even, I don't even know how it happened. I don't know if he paid somebody or if it really did. But, it, it, I mean, it made a big splash and people really love it. <laughs> it it's a catchy little number. Well, uh, Jim, you you are a a, a veteran grandfather now how is the role of big papa coming i i uh 
I love it. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I did shoot for Big Papa, but I ended up with Big Baba. Big Baba. <laughs> yeah, that's what Lenny Bo calls me Big Baba, which is is Ukrainian for grandmother. Oh, no. So I'm I, I shooting for Big Papa, but I'm, I'm a Big Baba, and it's uh, it's awesome. I uh, love every second of it. Evie, you know, the last time you were on the show, you were, I think, seven months pregnant and headed to Utah on an elk hunt. Oh, yeah, that's, that was a while ago now. I got a beautiful elk, <laughs> and I now have almost a two-year-old, so it's been a while. It has been a while, and it's been fun watching watching that uh, family dynamic y'all have. It's, uh, Lenny looks like she's a handful at times. <laughs> she's the sweetest little thing, but, yeah, she keeps us very busy. She's definitely not a laid-back baby that just goes with the flow. She's a little independent woman. Jim, is that is that what Eva was at that age? Oh my goodness! I, I'm just I'm watching this, loving the day when my boat turns like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> then, then, then it's it's payback time for Eva. So, oh yeah, it, it's literally like watching a baby Eva uh, grow up again. Except, <laughs> except now this time her mother and her father are not Louise and I. It's uh, you know Tim and Eva. Yeah. They're going to have their hands full. Are you listening to this, Taylor? I'm listening. Take notes. I've been hearing this stuff for 14 years now. <laughs> That's because I know my mom and dad, when I get off the phone with them, are rolling on the floor laughing because we told him he was going to have one just like him, and then he'd figure out what it was all about. That's right. I, I asked him for Louise. I, I told her, I'm, Evie turned 14, and I said, Louise, I'm going hunting. I'll see you in seven years. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I did. Boy, you're a lucky man. <laughs> yep. Yep, I escaped. Oh, man. Well, I don't know how we're going to get all through everything that we got to talk about, but Nancy said we had to bring it. So let's go on. Let's get going, Taylors. Ladies first. Well, Eva, you just recently have been appointed to the Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council. And I was reading back through some of the quotes of the council members, and yours really stuck out to me. It said, bringing, you're excited about bringing your ideas to the table for the next generation. And that's my generation. And I'm so very thankful for everything that you stand for. But can you kind of tell me a little bit about the council's purpose? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a federal advisory committee, and it was appointed by Secretary Zinke. So it's the Department of the Interiors, and we basically meet somewhere around four times a year officially, and then um, we have conference calls all throughout the month (laughs) in between there. And we come up with basically suggestions for Secretary Zinke, and then he says yes or no if they're, you know, if he agrees with them, and then if he passes them, they, that becomes a pretty big deal, and it can make a really big difference in wildlife and in the future of hunters and outdoor conservation, all that. So I am actually, within the committee, we have subcommittees as well, and uh, there's a few of them, but the two that I'm on are, one is the hunting committee, obviously, and then one is actually an outreach committee, and I'm the vice chair of that, which means I'm sort of having to lead it a little bit, which is crazy because I'm probably the only one on the entire advisory (laughs) board that's never been on a committee like this, and I'm probably 20 years younger than everybody, and there's only two females out of, I think, 17 of us. Uh, But it's about recruitment retention and reactivation, and you're trying to encourage new hunters to come out and start hunting or get in the outdoors, and you're trying to encourage people that have got out of it to come back and join us again. And it's just a really interesting thing because, like you're saying, you're the next generation and people like you are who I speak to on a daily basis. And so I have a unique 
perspective coming into this advisory board where mostly everyone else is presidents of big foundations or companies or and they're all um, men around my dad's age roughly and so they have a lot of experience in different things but I come from speaking to 14 year old girls and seeing what families are looking for in the outdoors and what they're missing and I get to bring that to the meetings and it's it's a huge honor it's very humbling and a little bit scary but I, I keep reminding myself that I have the opportunity to make a difference and I go into it with <laughs> knowing that I'm going to probably say some silly things but hopefully we'll be able to make a difference in, in the, the long run. You know, that I was at the uh, National Authority Symposium out in Lincoln, Nebraska this past year, and that was one of the things. You know, most of the people there were, there were a lot of us old guys, and, you know, Jim, you know what I'm talking about. We need some of that young blood coming in. One of the biggest things you hear when uh, that prevents people from getting in the outdoors is access. Is that something that y'all are really looking at on the Council Leva? It is, actually. That's uh, There's sort of two main points that the hunting subcommittee is looking at. I was just on a conference call for an hour yesterday about it and public access is one of them and trying to figure out how to make that better and make it easier, especially over in the western states where it's a really big problem. So that's some we we broke it down. Everyone put in suggestions and there were I mean probably thirty or forty per subcommittee and access is one of the two that has gone forward as what we're discussing. So it's definitely on our minds and something we're working on. Well I tell you what, we're going to take a break right now, uh, come back, and we're going to get with Mr. Jim and talk about some of the things he's got going on and listen to more of that song, How With Me by Jim Shockey. <laughs> With more woods and water, South Carolina. I hope you're inter- enjoying. We got both Eva Shockey and her dad Jim. And Eva talked a little bit about the uh, the hunting and shooting sports conservation council. Uh, Jim, you uh, yeah. you have been all over the world, and there's no doubt that you've seen more than most men have ever thought about seeing. But you've opened up. Uh, the Hand of Man, Museum of Natural History, Cultural Arts, and Conservation in Maple Bay, British Columbia. And it is chock full of stuff. Um, wow, I mean, it, it's hard to put it. Tell us about it and, and then maybe what you think the museum is there for. What do you What do you want it to accomplish? Well, I mean, number one, whatever we gather up in our lifetime is, you know, we can't take it with us. So, so it's really important, I, I think. For hunters, you know, especially the ones that have traveled all over this planet, international hunters, to, to give a, uh, an edifice that they can, people can come and learn about, about, you know, what we do and, and what hunting really is. I mean, that, that's the purpose of it. You know, conservation comes last on it, but that's actually the primary purpose of that museum is when people walk in, they may have an opinion about hunting and hunters. When they walk out, I'm hoping if their opinion was negative when they came in, that they walked out with with a, an entirely changed point of view about uh, the value of hunting and how important it is in this world for the conservation of wildlife species. And, and that's you know, if you boil it right down, that that's that's it in a nutshell to uh, to make you know a positive impact on on non-hunters. Uh, 
in terms of what they think about hunting and hunters. So it's hopefully going to work. Um, Taylor and I were watching the little video tour of it last night. Taylor? Wow. <laughs> That's all I can say is wow. I mean, we have some seashells and arrowheads and antlers, but, I mean, woof. That's a lot. Where, where did it all come from? Is it all your collection, or is it uh, on loan, or, or how does all that work? <laughs> no, you know, it's 100% privately funded by uh, Eva's inheritance. So that's, <laughs> it, 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 Which is very non-existent, just so everybody knows. There's no public funding on that, no government funding at all. Believe me, I... Um, Whatever dollars have been spent on that, you know, the building, the property, the renovations, the installation of the various um, items that are in the museum—that's that's all. That's us, uh, not nobody else, and uh, and nothing on loan. And it is pieces that I've collected from all over the world. I mean, I I, some people might call well, some people my my own wife might call me a hoarder, but uh, (laughs) an organized organized hoarder. <laughs> You're like me, Jim. You get no respect, do you? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe that you were putting me on the same radio interview as Eva. It's like, oh, here we go. I'm, I'm going to get hammered. Well, we can suffer together then. Yes, Eva, yeah. we'll team up. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we've got control of this situation. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, Eva. I really enjoyed reading your book. I finally got to finish it since no more concussion. It's been great. Um, But one of the things that I loved in your book was your quote about an arrow can only be shot by pulling it backwards. And I know you have some pretty big news about taking aim. So why don't you go ahead and share that with us? Um, So taking aim just came out in paperback version, which is really cool because books have to kind of do well the first round for them to come out with paperbacks for the publishers to, to make that effort and they did and i'm so excited about it and i mean it's been doing really really well it was the number one new release for a little while right when it came out and people are still sending me messages saying they're enjoying it so it just makes me so happy just like you're saying that it's just supposed to encourage new people to get out there and show our way of life as such a positive, inspiring, healthy lifestyle, whether you're already a hunter or whether you're interested or whether you thought you weren't interested and maybe it opens up your eyes a little bit. So, yeah, it's out in paperback so people can get it everywhere books are sold. Amazon gets it to you the same day. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I, I walked through the airport and my own face is right there on the shelf, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I bet. Um, can you tell us a little part of the book that people really respond to? I think uh, there's a a couple of things. I guess one of them would be that I was not a hunter my entire life. People see me, I guess, now in the outdoors and hosting hunting shows with my dad and whatnot, but I didn't start out as a hardcore hunter. I started out, it sounds similar to you, I was a dancer, a competitive dancer. I was an athlete. I did everything but hunting, basically, and then I eventually realized that hunting, I mean, money goes towards conservation. It's such a positive thing, but also I wanted to know where my meat came from and I wanted to be responsible for putting it in my own freezer. So at 20, I started hunting and a lot of people enjoy seeing that because it makes them see that if they're not hunting yet, it's not too late. There's You can start when you're 100 if you want to. It doesn't really matter. And the other thing is I've dealt with a lot of backlash and there's a whole chapter, I think it's chapter eight, called Haters Hate. And it's just about 
you can take the backlash, but if you know what you're doing in your heart is a good thing, you need to focus on that and hone in on that and realize you're making a positive difference by using your voice and standing up for what you believe in. And that can go for towards hunting or it can just be anything that's happening in anyone's life. If you're a teenage girl dealing with bullying, it can really be relatable to everybody. And that was the whole book is supposed to relate on a bigger, a bigger picture than just the hunting world. Um, so some, so anyone can pick it up and read it and hopefully walk away with a positive mindset after it. Jim, when you uh, when Eva was young and all and you were guiding and hunting and all and she wasn't really, uh, I don't guess she was there glued to your side during those years. She was dancing like she said and all. Did you ever wonder if she'd ever come back around to it? Uh, you know, uh, short answer, no, not in a million years. Uh, but but there, there were some indications back then. I, I mean, Evie did come to hunting camp, you know, many times when she was younger. Uh, and I, I mean, I remember one time it was up in uh, northern British Columbia. Eva, our son Bramlin, uh, Louise, and I were, were way out in the middle of the wilderness together in our little camper, and, and uh, we had a shooting contest, and Eva was so young. I mean, I, I had to hold up the front of the... <laughs> The gun for it to, to be able to hold it steady, and uh, you know, I came last. Uh, Branlin came third. Louise came second, and Eva won the competition. At, at I don't know how old she was, you know, it was uh, you know. So, like I say, there were there were indicators that she might, um, but uh, you know, I didn't realize she'd, she'd come back from the dark side uh, at 21, and uh, you know, said. I want to go hunting, and I said, "You haven't talked to me since you're 14." And she said, "I know, but we can be friends now." <laughs> and and, and uh, yeah, I mean, Louise and I were floored when Evie uh, Evie said she wanted wanted to try hunting. Uh, I, and I, honestly, I was on the phone within two minutes of that setting up a hunt. And where can I go? Where can I? It was sure. off season here in North America, but uh, Africa, South Africa, you know, they were getting into full swing, so. I had her on an airplane before she could change her mind, and uh, it's, you know, not the rest is history. <laughs> That's really what happened. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. So that gives hope. The young dads are out there who have taken your young kids, and they've kind of lost interest. Like my, my name Jordan. I mean, you know, you, you've kind of always, Taylor, you've always been there with me. Yeah, I have. Uh, you know, Jordan is 21. She was with me up till the time she turned 14 or 15. She decided to book in a fire and a cup of coffee were more uh, her style. But now, my future son-in-law is a big hunter. Um, she actually gets up when she's home from college. She gets up at five o'clock in the morning to go deer hunt with him. Who knew? Yep. <laughs> yep. Boys have a magnetic pull on girls somehow or another. <laughs> um, Jim, you're going to be actually here in South Carolina in about a, a little over a week at uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, That's correct. Playing golf now. Golf to me, help me out. Golf is a is a wonderful walk in the woods ruined by a little white ball. Uh, but uh, but you're going to be here for the Jim Shockey Classic. Uh, what it, what's it all about? You know, it, it's a golf tournament we started. Uh, I'd say about ten years ago. It was originally the venue was in Tucson, Arizona, uh, for about six years, and, and we took a two year hiatus, and now we've reinstated it here in, in Myrtle Beach in South Carolina at the Grand Dunes Country Club. Uh, and it, the, the purpose from the beginning was was to raise 
funds to take veterans of the armed forces and their families hunting. And, you know, you don't, you don't find, they don't have the opportunity when they come after serving to necessarily do what they love to do, their, their passion. It's, and it's a, it's a way of us giving back. You know, of course, we can never give enough, but, but we can give what we can. And that, that's what that, that's what that, uh, golf tournament is, is, the purpose is to take veterans of the armed forces and the families hunting. And you've, you've done all, you've taken almost 9,000. Uh, I looked, yeah. up, I looked on the website, the military tribute hunts, uh, almost 9,000 veterans, family members have benefited from the fundraiser, this golf tournament, uh, raises. Yeah. I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, last count was getting close to half a million dollars we've raised, uh, you know, over the course of the event to, uh, to take veterans and their families hunting. Wow, that's incredible! And, and and if you say you resurrected here at Myrtle Beach, does that mean you're going to be back? Uh, yes, that, that'll be the intention. You know, it's a lot of work, and this is a new team now. You know, in, in the East that we've put together, and the you know, it's a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of you know voluntary work. There's not one penny's being spent on on you know any of the people involved. Anybody from our team, you know, it, it comes out of their own pocket. Excuse me. It, it'll be. You know, so I'm hoping that it'll be a huge success. Any golfers out there, and, and there are a few of us that hunt and, and actually equate <laughs> the golf to, to a very similar skill set to, to archery hunting. So it's, you know, the, the mental discipline and whatnot. So there, there's quite a few hunters that actually golf, believe it or not. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, they'll, they'll show up en masse and, and let's have some fun ruining that good walk. <laughs> Well, Eva, do you play golf? I oh, let me, play. Wait, wait. Let me let, let me answer that. Let me answer that. <laughs> Eva, I think this is retribution and payback. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I think she's going to say how good I am at golf, but it's hard to say. She no? she was a she was a, a field hockey player, you know, athlete, a very good one actually, and and uh, she's got the skill set to hit the ball a mile, and then she goes and plays up from the ladies' tees, which I can't even reach with my drive. So I have to hit a second time before I ever get to where she gets to tee off from. So, uh, yeah, she's a, she's a good I athlete. I enjoy, yeah. I love being out there, and my husband, Tim, is like, he used to be a scratch golfer. He was a professional hockey player for years. Right. He kicks my dad's tail, and it's so fun. I enjoy it. Just being out there to experience him, my dad losing so badly. But I will be at the tournament. I don't know if I'm playing or if maybe I'm just going to be doing more of a hosting role. But I'll be there. Tim will be there. Lenny Bo will be there. My mom, my dad. Uh, so it'll be really fun. And we are trying to get as many people out there as we can because obviously it's for such a great cause. And it's all online if anyone wants any information. Very cool. Hang on through the break. We're going to wrap it up with Jim and Eva Shockey when we come back with more Woods and Water South Carolina. I'll never fit in your big city. I may be feral, but at least I'm free. It's the coyote wind that speaks to me. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. That is Jim Shockey singing How With Me. Actually, a guest on the show providing his own bumper music. How cool is that, Taylor? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I do have to say I'm impressed, Mr. Shockey. I, I really am. He's better than I am, isn't he? Um, yes. <laughs> he, um, yes. <clears throat> yes, well, Eva, we're going to kind of go off that subject there because I don't want to get into that. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> Eva, we're used to seeing you as the co-host of Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, but you, along with Tim and Lenny, are going to be on two new shows, one on Facebook Watch and the other on the Outdoor Channel. Can you give us a little, like, sneak peek about what they're going to be about? Yes, definitely. So because, I guess, being a mom and being a wife and everything, it's, it does change how much time I can spend out there in the mountains. And trust me when I say I miss it. And I love <laughs> I used to spend 200 days of the year traveling. But, I mean, with a toddler, you just can't. It's tough to do that unless you have everyone come with you, which we can't do because Tim has a job. So we have adapted that a little bit, but still to remain in the outdoor lifestyle television world. So we have two new shows. Uh, they're both basically about encouraging an outdoor lifestyle as a family. And so we just wrapped filming our Facebook one this last weekend, and we start filming our outdoor channel show next weekend. So we're really having the back-to-back. And, <laughs> yeah, they're following our lives. They're showing tips and tricks of how to bring your kids outdoors and what you can do to make your outdoor lifestyle easier or a field-to-table um, elements of it. And it's just following the daily occurrences of what happens and our lifestyles and how we live that lifestyle and how everyone else can probably do the same if they just follow a few simple rules. And it, it's entertaining. It's Our personalities are out there. And we're hoping that it does well because it's a lot of fun to film. And it's nice to be able to involve my whole family and not be off by myself in the mountains um, without them. Yeah, that's uh, – you don't realize how much time kids consume until you have them. In fact, if you knew what was going to happen, you probably wouldn't have them. It's a good thing you, there's no warning system in place. <laughs> Is that an insult? No, that's just fact. Yeah, I know. It's a little insulting, but I'm a mom and a daughter, so I knew, I do know that it's true. Because <laughs> it's, and I mean, being the wife as well, and I love being the mom who stays home, and I'm almost a stay-at-home mom, but I also have a, basically a full-time job, so it's kind of this crazy lifestyle where I'm trying to do a little bit of both, and it's working out really well. You just have to adapt it, and we try to just bring Lenny with us as much as possible, as much as we can possibly do it, even though it's, it's a lot harder to do, but I think in the end it pays off because my parents did the same with my brother and I, and we've just learned to adapt, and we've learned to travel and go with the flow of whatever's happening. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to we're gonna take the last few minutes here, and if each of you will take two or three minutes, I think we'll fit in the time that Eva's got left. Uh, we have a Thanksgiving tradition here on Woods and Water, South Carolina, uh, memories. I mean, I've done a show with my 80-year-old mother, my brother, my oldest daughter. Taylor's going to be next year after we have a little more time in the woods together. But um, I wanted I wanted each of you to share something, a memory about the other. So, uh, Eva, spill the beans on Dad, of course. A memory? Ah, um, yes, a memory. Oh, gosh, so many memories. I guess my favorite thing that has really stayed with me over the years is just the fact of how much my dad and my mom both encouraged family being a priority. And that's something that I guess it goes back to the last question. Like I have this incredible career that I love and travel 200 days a year in the mountains, but I also really love being with my family. And so you always try to change everything around so that your family can be part of it. And that my dad was really good at that. Every time he went on his trips when I was younger, his, his hunting trips, I think they kind of tried to trick us because they called it family vacation. <laughs> I used the vacation word necessarily because we'd be in a camper going and driving to Mexico for two weeks or in a tent in Alaska, wherever it was. But at the time, 
they just really encouraged bringing the whole family along and involving all of us and just letting us experience everything for ourselves and not just leaving us at home with a babysitter and going and doing it themselves. So that's, that is what um, has really stuck with me, especially now that I'm a parent and I realize how hard it is to do that. And I really appreciate all the extra effort that they put into bringing us because it, it really is a lot harder to bring the babies, but it's, it's worth it if you can do it. See, I pulled that with fishing vacation. It was family vacation, <laughs> but we were in the Everglades in Florida where I could go flats fishing. Wow. It Good works. Times. It, it, it works. did It did work, yes. And now I'm addicted to flat, flats fishing. That's but right. it's okay. So, yeah, Mr. Go. Jim. It all off. Yes. <laughs> well, Mr. Jim, it's your turn. Give us some. Give us your favorite memory about Eva. Uh, you know, a, a couple of them. The, um, I mean, one, I, I remember when we... The, family went to tanzania to maasai land to uh we, we were visiting the uh you know the lake natron area near the old guy which is a mountain they call the the seat of god and uh i remember walking to the village and i, I guess this is more a memory of a, a good business decision I, I was you know the the chief offered me 150 cows for eva <laughs> she was 14 years old, and I, and you know, I considered it. I, 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 I countered at 14 years of age. I countered at 200 cows, and we we couldn't we couldn't actually come to an agreement. So we ended up keeping Eva, and, and look how it's turned out. So it was a it was a good business decision uh, for him. Actually, because it's, it's cost me. She, you know, I figured, okay, high school, you know, she had to go to the private school, then sure. private university in Australia. Yes. And, you know, then I thought, okay, now I'm going to get a big raise. And no, she's still on the payroll. So, <laughs> so that, that, that was a really good business decision by that chief, not, not to make, meet my offer of 200 cows. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, all joking aside, I, I think the memory that I, you know, hold, most important. I know there's so many that hold dear with sure. you know, hunting with Eva and uh, my father and father-in-law and you know being together as a family. But when Evie had the wisdom to come to us and say that she wanted to be involved in the hunting industry, and, and her reason, one of the most important reasons for her was that at all the conventions she'd been to, she realized that the people in our outdoor world are so nice. And that's, you know, you go into any other industry and try and find across the board where people have common values, you know, family, honor, truth, you know, they, they're patriotic, you know, the, the, these are things that, you know, our industry has. And I, and I, I that's one of the things I, one of the memories I have of Eva that she had the wisdom at a young age to, to recognize that. And I, you know, so proud of her for what she's done you know, running with that. It's a fond, fond memory for me. That is great stuff. I have considered trading Taylor several times. Oh, okay. You better take that back right now. <laughs> no, I won't. It's the truth. I cannot tell a lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been there, been there. I understand. Been there, done that. I don't, I, at this point in her life, I don't know that anybody would take her. Oh, plenty <laughs> of you take me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the head will not fit through the door. Trust me. Well, I know y'all have things to do. We appreciate y'all taking time to be on Woods and Water South Carolina today. Eva, look uh, look forward to keeping track of you as your new shows come up. Jim, if I ever make it to BC, I'm going to have to come into the, the museum and check it all out in person. 
We'll take you on a, on a tour. Yes, sir. Anything in wrapping it up? Nice to talk to you guys. It's wonderful to hear another father-daughter duo. We love it. <laughs> yep. And that and that is the that is why it's so neat having y'all in here because the same father-daughter interactions y'all had, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago, I'm having now. And, that, and that's just really cool. And I appreciate the example y'all have given us and the, and the role models to follow. It's our pleasure. And, and Taylor, you hang in there. Your dad's going to get smart someday, I promise. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Pray for me, though. You've heard of moths around a candle? I think I might have to feed some little boys to some alligators. <laughs> well, thank you all for being a part of Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, I look forward to seeing you both at the ATA show coming up here in Louisville in January. And uh, maybe we'll catch up again on the radio sometime. Sounds, Sounds good to me. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Y'all have a good day and talk to you soon. You too. Bye-bye. I'm kind of like the man in the moon. Have a dark side and two faces, too. I want the wolves to howl with me. It's the coyote wind that sets me free. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. <laughs> He, he sounds, God, I can't remember, Johnny Cash. He he sounds a little bit like Johnny Cash in parts of that. I can hear it. Can you? Yeah. They're trying to take my way of life. I love my family and I love my wife. <laughs> Pretty to the point, too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> gotta love a guest who furnishes his own bumper music. <laughs> he, he did not know that we were going to do that. Uh, Nancy, their, uh, their PR lady, set all this up for me. She great to work with she called me and she says we're gonna make this happen because we've been trying to do this for a couple of months get them both on because their schedules are so you know they just both of them are going in 20 different directions and with jim outfitting and all is gone for months at a time so finally got it together good good one i enjoyed mm-hmm. it. i always enjoy talking to eva oh yeah she's cool and jim sure. i just uh, i like him <laughs> 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 i really like him um it's fun to, the interaction to know that we're not the only family that goes back and forth like that. Guys against the girls, which I'm way outnumbered. He at least he at least has a son, <laughs> so he's he's a he was a he always had an ally. I'm just outnumbered all the way around. But see that 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 benefits us. Well, of course you it know, does. Mom and Jordan and me. So that's all that matters. And Sophie, the dog, she's even a girl. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sophie really, too. she's the only one that listens to me. <laughs> Really? Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, without question. Let's put it that way. She listens to me without question. Y'all listen to me. You just have to ask a bunch of questions about it before you do it. I see how it is. Okay. All right. We saw how it was in the interview. Jim knows exactly what I'm talking about. I have have an ally. That's great. I love it. We didn't get a chance to talk about it. Jim just won a Weatherby Award. And a lot of you are sitting there going, hmm, Weatherby Award. Well, Weatherby, you know, Weatherby Foundation. Um, oh, wow. And it, it's, you know, Jim is a, an active member of the Canadian Armed Forces, uh, honorary lieutenant colonel. You know, he's been called by Outdoor Life magazine the most accomplished big game hunter of the modern era. They also noted he is the most influential influential celebrity in big game hunting. Born in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, he was formerly an All-American swimmer in university and later played on the National Water Polo Team for six years. He would have been in the 1980 Olympics had it not been for the international boycott against Russia. 
figure that one out. Um, Shock is considered to be one, one of the world's foremost experts on the ethnocentric folk, folk art forms from Western Canada as an avid collector of tribal art and artifacts from around the world. We saw that in the little mm-hmm. video for the Hand of Man Museum he's got. It just bogs my mind, though, <laughs> that he married Louise, an actress, a professional ballerina, and a vegetarian. Two kids, Branlin and Eva. Eva, you've heard here. Branlin, I think, handles most of the production work for Jim. Um, But uh, it talks just a little bit about here. Uh, You know, he and Eva have been on the cover of USA Today hunting fish. It just goes in. um, The article was in the December 2017-2018 issue of Outdoor Life, tackled the legacy of modern hunting's most influential celebrity, from Shockey's humble beginnings, his 30-plus year career, his hunting philosophy where he argues that trophy hunting terminology needs to be changed to selective hunting, which I would agree with that, his thoughts on conservation, which boil down to supply and demand, economics, and the balance he strikes in portraying hunting on TV and serving as a brand ambassador is the biggest name in his industry. I would I would beg to say, or I would say, that Jim has never participated in a canned hunt in his life. Would you agree? I would. Fully. So, hey, Eva, picture the other day. Mm-hmm. You remember the picture she posted? Oh, yeah. That's a big mm, buck. Nice big North Carolina bug. Yes. I have to say I'm jealous. <laughs> Aren't we all? It's been a rough season. It really has. It's been a rough season for We've us. been struggling something years. And I don't think that's going to change in... Late November and December, not here in South Carolina. Not, not unless the deer just take a holiday from what they normally do. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate Jim and Eva being on there. They're fun. I'll um, I'll talk to them again at ATA. Maybe we'll. Uh, I think next time I'm just going to ask Jim on. Get Jim on by himself because you heard his first comment of the whole interview was, "I'm surprised you asked me on here at the same time, Eva." Yep. I bet be a lot. He was fun then. I bet he'd be a, a riot just by himself. <laughs> I bet. That'd be fun. We're gonna, it's a dangerous duo with you and oh, Jim Shockey. Woo! That'd be fun. You better not ask We're me gonna to make come that in I'll have to break up something. ATA. You can't go to ATA. ATA. You know that? You're too young. I know. You don't have to remind me. It's okay. It's one of those places I still get to go by myself. One. <laughs> one place. Friend. I mean, one place. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't get talked about it. But he, yeah, he got a, the Weatherby Award, which essentially is... You know, given to very few people um, because they're outstanding, you know, roles in the outdoors. And, and Jim is probably one of the most deserved out there. Uh, North Carolina, our neighbors to the north, back on Election Day, had a uh, uh, an amendment on the North Carolina ballot to codify the right to hunt and fish in the state constitution. And it was... It's funny leading up to it. All the people said, "Oh, you know, we don't need this. The rights to hunt and fish are not under fire, and there's no threats to it or anything like that." And that, if you looked, if you did any research at all, that was the standard line everybody was using. So that was a talking point by somebody who, in the background, was probably working on coming after hunting and fishing in North Carolina. At some point or another, it's going to come under fire. But uh, hey, by fifty-seven percent. Um, approval. It was. Uh, it's now a constitutional amendment, in North Carolina. The right 
of the people to hunt and fish. Had the other bunch that came out, oh, we don't need to give government more power. They already had the power to regulate wildlife. So congratulations, North Carolina. They joined 20, I think 22 other states now that have uh, in their state constitution the, the right to hunt and fish. And uh, that, that's a good thing. Whether it's under attack now, I mean, I can remember here in South Carolina when Peter was here protesting. That's been a long time ago, 20-plus years ago now. But we went and counter-protested against them. So it can happen. Um, you're quiet for a moment. Mm, yeah. Energy you know levels that, down. I was about to say, you know energy how that little, that little energy thing? Well, see, <laughs> <clears throat> 5.45 a.m. mornings don't really do you that good two days in a row. And I know it's y'all people that get up there at 4.30 in the morning, I'll be like, oh, suck it up. Two days a week. No, no. See, that that's a struggle but for a see, girl in high school. But if you did it every morning, but, but it see, would not be a struggle. But, see, I don't want to do it every morning. I'd rather be tired during the week. I know, when you can complain about but, it. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the simple Rocket solution. science. You know? I know you're a lot better than you think I do. Oh, mm-hmm. <sighs> Which is scary. It is scary. <clears throat> it's a simple fact. You don't do it. But one morning every month that, you know. All right. Five stages of a hunter. This is always a fun one to do. Where are you among the five stages of a hunter? And a lot of people out there are going, hmm, hunters have stages? Yes, we do. It's been kicked around since the mid-1980s, following some research work. Two professors at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, Robert Jackson and Robert Norton, interviewed more than 1,000 hunters in Wisconsin. Their answers to questions about hunting, their habits, and their experiences contributed to Jackson and Norton's report. We all go through them, or some of them, during our lives. As we get older, it's easier to see where we may be and remember some of the different things that we did in each stage. Or as Charles Alsheimer explains on his site, we think about transitioning from one stage to another, and some of those things, and some of those things, those changes happened. So, first stage, shooter stage. This is where we all start off. This is where you are right now. Mm-hmm. The hunter talks about satisfaction with hunting being closely tied to being able to get shooting. Often in the beginning, duck hunter will relate. He had an ex- excellent day if he got in a lot of shooting. The beginning deer hunter We'll talk about the number of shooting opportunities. Missing game means little to hunters in this phase. A beginning hunter wants to pull the trigger and test the capability of his firearm. A hunter in this stage may be a dangerous hunting partner. That's you. Dangerous hunting partner. Wow, thanks. You went dove hunting this year. I did. First shot, first dove. That was was fun. And then you proceeded to miss. Well. Which is what should happen. mm Mm-hmm. That should happen because dove hunting is all about burning powder to support Winchester and Remington ammunition. Yeah, I've, I've been dove hunting for since I was probably five, the same age I started deer hunting. But I've always been kind of scared I was going to hit something if I missed the dove and get in trouble or something. But I actually figured out this year that I could do it. And, yeah, I did kill one. Yes. Um, One, yes, one. Um, I was sad, but it's okay. It's okay. We didn't have any doves. <laughs> Wait, we, we really had, didn't. The neighbors tell me that we had like four or 500 birds, and they left like two weeks before season goes. And that's the way it goes sometimes. All right, shooter stage, limiting out stage. This is where you're going. A hunter still talks about satisfaction gained from shooting, but what seems more important is measuring success 
through the number of birds and animals shot. Limiting out or filling a tag is the absolute measure. Do not let your desire to limit out be stronger than the need for safe behavior at all times. We've all been there, you know. I'm kind of still there when it comes to dove hunting. I like to get a limit. It just reaffirms my ability to shoot a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) Trophy stage. Satisfaction is described in terms of selectivity of game. See, there's a selectivity instead of trophy hunting. A duck hunter might take only greenheads. A deer hunter looks for one special deer. A hunter might travel far to find a real trophy animal. Shooting opportunities and skill become less important. Method stage, I've been there too. The hunter has all the special equipment. Hunting has become one of the most important things in his life. (laughs) Woof. Satisfaction comes from the method that enables the hunter to take game. Taking game is important, but second to how it is taken. The hunter will study long and hard how to best pick a blind sight, lay out decoys, call them waterfowl, been there. The deer hunter will go one-on-one with a white-tailed deer, studying signs, tracking on the life habits of the deer, been there. Often the hunter will handicap himself by hunting only with black powder, firearm, or bow and arrow. Been there, done that, still doing it. Bagging game or limiting is still understood as being a necessary part of the hunt during this phase. And then I think this is where I'm at right now. That I, I, I think most guys my age are probably here. As a hunter ages and after many years of hunting, he mellows out. Satisfaction can now be found in the total hunting experience. Being in the fields, enjoying the company of family and friends, and seeing nature outweigh the need for taking game. And that's a fun place to be, folks. I, I love it here. I love just being able to go in the woods. If I see something, that's a bonus. If I pull the trigger, that's work. <laughs> <laughs> that's work. If I sling an arrow, it's work. <laughs> but it's fun being here. Kind of like the old man. Anything else you want to say before I end this up? Well, <clears throat> the fact that you just said old man. Look, I heartily embrace it. <laughs> now, now you do. A couple of years ago, I didn't. Being a couple years past 50 will help you do that. Trust me, your day is coming. All right. The True Meaning of Thanksgiving by Edward F. Gibbons. Perspective on the wonderment of your life. Thanksgiving is truly a special day. It was first celebrated in 1621 when the Pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians shared a full harvest. In 1863, President Lincoln proclaimed a national day of Thanksgiving to be held each year in November. In the U.S., Thanksgiving is held on the fourth Thursday of November, Canada. It's held on the second Monday in, Oct- Monday in October. When we think of Thanksgiving, we conjure up thoughts of leaves that have changed color and are falling from trees. We also think of visiting with family and friends and watching Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Either or on tele- of course, there are traditional games on television. Our memories also remind us of turkey dinners with all the holiday trimmings, including stuffing. How many of us had to loosen our belts at the table? <laughs> it's more than a day of fond memories, all that stuff. It's more of Thanksgiving. Should not end after a prayer or a few seconds of meditation devoted to thanks. The holiday of Thanksgiving has broader significance, and it goes on. As you sit down to dinner or after dinner this Thanksgiving, spend a few moments really giving thanks. Share with family and friends what it will take in the next year. Fully express the meaning of Thanksgiving. Hey, hope you had a great one. We had a good one. Had a good one here on this show. Hey, loosen the belts. Be comfortable. See you back here with more Woods and Water, South Carolina, next week.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.